Hello, and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan, and today we're going to talk about Nintendo, who over the weekend had a great deal of their private corporate information leaked out online in what has been termed the hashtag here, GigaLeak. And this was brought to my attention by a follower of mine called S1, at SomebodyFoil, who said, Virtual legality inbound, not a fan of leaks no matter how cool the leaked things are due to everything involved in it. Only exception would be crime. And this particular follower of mine retweeted a set of tweets from a Twitter user named Cheesemeister at Cheesemeister3k. We're going to get to that later in the video. And because I didn't realize that the hashtag GigaLeak was attached to that particular retweet, I didn't actually know that this leak at Nintendo had happened. So I said, I think the entire Last of Us leaks series that we did on this channel in virtual legality, talking about the leaks that were related to The Last of Us Part Two, talks about what a shame leaks are. We say that a lot of times in that series while still speaking out against abusive legal systems, in that case, the DMCA, to which S1 responds, isn't this one more nuanced due to the content? I read reports that it's very sensitive content, even source code from their vault, Nintendo's vault, going back as far as 30 years. Is there even a legal use for all of this? I know that preservationists are having a good time. Now, we're going to talk about legal use and preservation in just a second. But to kind of set the context here, I wanted to bring up the Eurogamer article that highlights what's happening. Alleged Nintendo GigaLeak reveals eye-opening prototypes for Yoshi's Island, Super Mario Kart, Star Fox 2, and more. 90s source code is out in the wild. It looks like one of the biggest Nintendo leaks ever has revealed prototypes for some of the company's classic games, including Yoshi's Island, Super Mario Kart, and Star Fox 2. Videos have hit YouTube showing early prototypes of Super Mario Kart and Yoshi's Island, all compiled from leaked source code. VGC collected a raft of these videos, and then Eurogamer goes and highlights a list of them. Now, this is an interesting question in and of itself, right? We'll talk about this from a legal perspective when we talk about copyright and fair use. But you'll note here that Eurogamer is essentially just reposting these videos, this information, these screenshots, without much additional commentary. Now, one thing that they might be relying upon, either from their lawyers or just because they don't care, is that when you embed something from somewhere else, when you link to it, the law including in the European Union, but also in the United States, is still a little bit vague and unclear as to whether or not you should be held responsible if that actual thing that you are linking to is otherwise infringing. And we're going to look at the law, but for the most part, you should take it as a known fact that taking stolen information, screenshots, video, source code, and posting them online is copyright infringement. So if that is copyright infringement, if these videos are infringing, is Eurogamer suddenly getting itself into a little bit of trouble, I suspect. They are not. I also suspect Nintendo wouldn't come against a journalistic outlet of this size, but it's worth noting that they really don't comment on much. They just post all these things on and on and on. And then they finish by saying people are still digging into the leak and it looks inevitable that more will emerge over the coming days. A post on Reset Era shows the scale of the breach. Now we go to Reset Era, we take a look at this, and we see that it is described as a 4chan leak with all of this extra information, and you see it described as follows in a number of places. Full development repository for things like Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. A full master ROM database. Source code to Star Fox and Star Fox 2, etc., etc. And then this particular thread 
goes on for 46 pages talking about these particular leaks. And they're not leaked in terms of somebody internal coming out with them that we know of. This looks much more like somebody got access to Nintendo's internal repositories. And it's worth noting that these repositories have information that you wouldn't have expected for 30 years ago. And that's going to be a part of the story as well. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I have talked about issues adjacent to this one at length in the very recent past. So if you're interested in talking about leaks and the DMCA and copyright infringement and how, in my opinion, Sony was handling it completely wrong when everything leaked out regarding The Last of Us Part Two, please do check out this now 13-part series where we talk about the DMCA, we talk about those things. And one of the things that pops up again and again and again is that the leak itself is wrong. Stealing information from someone else's system is wrong. It is undoubtedly uh, either a violation of data protection laws or hacking laws, depending on the jurisdiction that you are talking about. And the actual individuals responsible either for establishing the backdoor, going and grabbing it or putting it up publicly, they're going to get in trouble. There was a story, I think it was last week, that said that Sony, with the help of, it would seem, law enforcement authorities, has raided a certain location that talks about the hackers responsible for this particular leak. Those responsible are going to get in trouble, and we will see that in this cheesemeister thread that we are going to talk about as kind of the foundation of this video. So Cheesemeister, at Cheesemeister3000, has about 10,000 followers. I'm not familiar with this person in any respect outside of this particular context. This was actually linked to me by a number of people, and it was retweeted a number of times out there in my personal feed on Twitter. And he had this to say. I've been thinking about what to say about the public posting of proprietary intellectual property. Some people have gotten really excited about seeing things in various stages of development that were previously seen only by their creators. Now, just as an initial statement here, and this is going to be why this video is named Is This Gaming's Future to some extent, I do think that it's important to note that video gaming, unlike some other major aspects of popular culture, particularly movies, has been much more reticent to share the creative process with the fans of the product that they are putting out there. Now, there are certain exceptions to this. One of the most recent that I can think of is that Jedi Fallen Order had a documentary come with it. I believe Ghosts of Tsushima has a documentary that comes with it. But these are all kind of very, very, very polished documentaries designed to put everything in a good light. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's still useful to see some of the behind the scenes. But with rare exception, and the main exception that I can think of is the Broken Age documentary that was sold by Double Fine as part of the Kickstarter uh, to sell their new adventure game, really goes into the warts of the entire development process. And I do think that fans of anything are inclined to want to know what that process looked like. To us on the outside, it's just a game that pops up, warts and all, whether it's good or bad, whether it's Super Mario World or whether it's Anthem, it had some kind of process that got it from point A to point B. And so I don't think it should be a surprise that now 30 years on, 40 years on from really the start of consumer video gaming in the United States and across the world, People that have grown up with that industry want to know more about how the things they love came to be. And so it shouldn't be a surprise. And I think part of this story is 
that by locking down these things so hard, by not even talking about the process at all, and some of this is going to be cultural, Nintendo being a Japanese company very close to the vest on what they are doing really at all times, we're really the last to get on board with streaming and we're striking down things all over the place, still occasionally strike down things that get people to ask me questions either in DMs on Twitter or elsewhere on my YouTube channel. And Nintendo wants to keep those things secret, but I think that has been in large part to the detriment of growing the fan base and for making people even more excited about the products they put out there. Doesn't mean I'm okay with illegality. Doesn't mean I'm okay with criminal behavior, as we will see. But it does mean that that's part of the story. Talking about what people want to see and not giving it to them is in part why these kinds of things happen. And certainly why these kinds of things take off on places like Reset Era or elsewhere. Continuing with this particular thread, I can understand the feeling. Great. People want to see how these things are made. But I can't condone the theft and dissemination of trade secrets. It's criminal corporate espionage, full stop. So one, in general, criminal corporate espionage isn't really a term of art in the law. Different jurisdictions are going to have different rules on these kinds of things. Certainly stealing the data is wrong and you're going to come up under some kind of law somewhere. In general, corporate espionage is going to be defined as something else. Most often, it's one corporation acting on behalf of another, uh, illegally against the duties of faith and fair dealing that they might have to their current employer, things along those lines. If Sony were to put someone in a place at Nintendo that had access to this information and then that person was constantly disseminating it back to Sony, that's corporate espionage. Uh, corporate espionage tends to be for commercial purposes. There's really no indication that a hack on 4chan that then wound up going public for free elsewhere on the internet is for commercial purposes. This strikes me so more along the lines of somebody that likes gaming, got access to Nintendo's stuff, and decided to put it all up there. Certainly it could be corporate espionage. Certainly it could be Microsoft or Sony or someone else uh, that wants to see Nintendo harmed in a commercial way. Uh, but in general... Uh, goofball hacking, slacktivism, whatever it might be that motivates these kinds of things don't rise to the level of being called corporate espionage, uh, which is angels on the head of a pin to some extent, but I had to call it out because it's not exactly how I see what happened here occurring. That being said, I can't condone the theft and dissemination of trade secrets. Absolutely true, uh, although a lot of this isn't necessarily trade secrets. It's not things that are uh, specific to the trade of making video games. They tend to be assets that weren't used that were part of the creative process uh, early on. Trade secrets are one of those areas in intellectual property law, both in the United States and abroad, that is very amorphous. Uh, trade secrets are whatever you think they are. They're not registered. Uh, that you think is important and needs to be proprietary for the functioning of your business. So certainly Nintendo might make a claim that they're trade secrets. They might even win it. Uh, but they aren't the same kind of trade secrets that we usually think of. The most obvious being recipes uh, for things. You know, the recipe to Coke or for Kentucky Fried Chicken or what have you. Those are trade secrets. We don't copyright them. We don't register them because we don't want them publicly known, which is what happens when they're registered. But they still need protection because they are where the value of our company lives. This kind of white-collar crime can be hard to appreciate, given that no one was physically hurt, but there are still grave consequences. Now, we'll stop there for just a second. It is undoubtedly copyright infringement. We've looked at this before in the U.S., 17 U.S.C. 106. The owner of a copyright has the exclusive rights to reproduce their work, to distribute copies of the work, to perform the work publicly. By taking it off their servers, 
their repository, which they have apparently kept for some reason because they think it'll be useful because they might want to sell a book at some point uh, based on some of this information, even if they have not chosen to do so in the past 30 or 40 years, it is still their right to hold and going and stealing it and taking it from them is against those rights, is infringement when it is otherwise reproduced, distributed, displayed publicly, what have you. Now, there are exceptions to that, as we talked about in that Last of Us leak series, most prominently the one that comes up with me all the time and that people ask questions about is fair use. Notwithstanding that restriction, the fair use of a copyrighted work is not an infringement of copyright, and fair use is criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, transformation of what the specific kind of copyrighted material is, and then we get into a question of whether you are trying to monetize your otherwise infringing use, whether it's real or creative, how much of it you used, and whether or not the party who owns the copyrighted material would otherwise be trying to sell it. Now, the more salient point in the law here, and this came up in The Last of Us concept a lot, was that it doesn't matter that it was stolen, or at least more specifically, the fact that it was stolen doesn't prevent someone from having a fair use argument. This came up a number of times, a lot of comments to that series, a lot of things that caused me to make a video specifically on Congress adding this sentence to USC 107. And it said, the fact that a work is unpublished shall not itself bar a finding of fair use if such finding is made upon consideration of all the above factors. So you just use the normal test with the understanding that something being unpublished does affect your ability to win on either the purpose or the nature question. So the fact that it was stolen is going to hurt your ability to use fair use, but it's not going to just be the end of the discussion. Which leads us to the next point here, which says... Those responsible face prosecution, restitution, and imprisonment. Now, that's an interesting kind of sidebar because you've got two different concepts in this statement. The kind of white-collar crime can be hard to appreciate because no one was physically hurt, but there are still grave consequences. Sounds more like you're talking about the effect of the crime. There are still grave consequences to Nintendo. They didn't want this out there, and now they have to deal with it. That's true. But the second sentence here switches the consequences. Those responsible face prosecution, restitution, and imprisonment. The grave consequences there are in respect of the people that stole the information, and that will undoubtedly be an FBI investigation or whatever the equivalent of it in Japan. That's absolutely true. But I would have focused that the grave consequences of this, the reason why infringement is bad and illegal everywhere, is because the creator of the intellectual property has the right to control it, and by taking that from them, you have harmed them in some way. Corporate security measures and surveillance will likely be increased industry-wide, adding more pressure on employees and making hard jobs even more difficult. The exposure of code and assets makes it easier for competitors to appropriate techniques. That might be. We're talking about source code that is very, very, very old right now. So this is perhaps not as uh, important as it was with respect to things like The Last of Us Part Two leaking. But it is worth noting that this is one thing that could happen and probably will happen, especially at Nintendo. With this leak happening, they will do an internal investigation to figure out how it happened, and they will change some part or portion of their process to protect their materials, which will in fact require some friction, some difficulty for their actual employees and contractors, a two or three factor authentication, things that have to be checked in and checked out, barcodes on documents, whatever it might be, that will make things more difficult for people on the ground. That being said, 
that always should have been the case. You should always be evaluating your security features if you don't want it out in the wild. And so this is, if anything, a good way to show where your security features were deficient and to make them stronger. I'm not saying I support hacking. I'm not saying I support the stealing here. But finding out that there are these holes is one reason why major corporations, corporations bigger than video game companies, hire hackers to essentially probe their databases and figure out a way in so that they can plug it before the world finds out about it. Revealing rough drafts, works in progress, and private communications can embarrass their authors, damage their reputations, and even set back their careers. It's possible, but again, we're talking about speculation here. I don't see anything that has been commented on so far with respect to this leaked material that suggests that anybody isn't just excited and interested to see that Bowser had feet in Super Mario World and what those pixels looked like. Exchanging such leaked data might seem sensible in the name of preservation, but it's just dealing in the dissemination of stolen content. It has never been approved for release or sale by its creators. Now, this is true, but it brings up a bigger issue, that preservation issue. One of the things that has popped up again and again on this channel and just in the discussions around video games this past generation and moving on into the future is what, if anything, can be done to help preserve these products, to help preserve, in this case, the historical happening that led to these products' creations. And this has come up in a number of different ways, not just related to video games. We did a video last month or perhaps the month before that was talking about the Internet Archive and whether or not their National Emergency Library violated copyright law. And in no small manner, it absolutely does. And so we did a video on the notion that you can't just break the law because you think it is good. But there are a lot of people, there are a lot of folks that are inclined to look at this move in video games to digitalization to turning off servers and not having access to products that say we need to start really focusing on the preservation issue. And for good reason. You look at somebody like Square Enix, who in this Game Informer article from last June admitted to not having the source material they need to bring their old games up into the modern digital age. As Game Informer put it, however, there's been one major bump in the road in getting the complete catalog together, especially from games in Square's early days. I'm embarrassed to admit it, but in some cases, we don't know where the code is anymore. It's very hard to find them sometimes because back in the day, you just made them and put them out there and you were done. You didn't think of how you were going to sell them down the road. Sometimes customers ask, why haven't you released that game yet? And the truth of the matter is, it's because we don't know where it has gone. Now that's terrible, right? But one of the things that could happen, if you're looking at the negatives of a leak like this, is that the Square Enixes of the world say, wow, we shouldn't keep repositories. Because look at what happens if they get out there. Nintendo kept this information for 30 years somewhere. And then it leaked out online. And I personally don't think this necessarily harms Nintendo that much, but I'm not in charge of Nintendo. And Nintendo might think that it harms them a great deal and go after everybody that is at all related to any of this with the full force and authority of the law. But more importantly, when we're talking about the preservation question, it doesn't end there. As we move more into these games as a service, you are starting to see a lot of pushback from people that love video games. An earlier virtual legality episode that I did that was a response to Accursed Farms putting out a video that said, games as a service is fraud, effectively because they can change your game, they can turn off the servers, you don't own anything, was essentially two hours of me going over the law and talking about 
why when you sign on to one of these contracts, as mean, as dispiriting as it might be, it is the contract terms that you are agreeing to. And we need to talk about whether those contracts are okay as kind of first principles and fight against those rather than claiming that they are outright fraud. And this led to a great conversation that I had with Accursed Farms that you can check out also in virtual legality where we talked about what's fraud and what is not fraud. But the point is, is that Accursed Farms wants to see preservation happen wants to see things like potentially an intellectual property clearinghouse or some kind of repository on a national or maybe even global basis that allows video gamers and video game companies to store their intellectual property to preserve this history that for our lifetimes, his and mine, have been important to us, but that unlike things like movies, don't have this background, don't have this behind the scenes function, don't even have at some fundamental level the ability to preserve the playing of the game as it was released. And so this, this kind of thing, this giga leak, this discussion around Nintendo preserving this information, not sharing it and having it get out there, I think is an important one for us all to be having in that kind of context. Not just, hey, stealing is wrong. Absolutely it is. I think this is a shame. I don't want to see any of these companies have their stuff stolen. On the other hand, I do see why so many people are interested in it. I do see why preservationists are interested in having access to the source code, that those games with the source code leaked are going to have a better chance of surviving the many transitions of technology and video game development that we see in the next 30 or 40 years. And so I do think there's a positive spin to be placed on it, even if this isn't what we would like to see, and even if it's certainly infringement and certainly illegal. As long as creators retain control over the distribution of their works, they can exercise quality control, leverage in marketing and monetization. Leaking robs creators of all of these aspects of making the most of their R&D investments in a manner of their choosing. Absolutely. But this does, again, relate more specifically to things like The Last of Us Part Two, not so much with respect to leaking of source code and pixel art from 40 years ago. When you've got that as a concept, this type of thing goes away. Yes, there could be certain aspects of this information that is important to Nintendo. The earlier point about some of it being potentially embarrassing to either the company or the creators, there could be in-jokes or things in that material that they wouldn't like to have out there because it was all internal to them. That all could be true. But while this is also accurate, that these parties should have these rights, and that is why the laws exist as they do, it doesn't mean that in this particular instance, this is actually that big of a concern. Ultimately, stealing proprietary information is an invasion of privacy and an ultimate form of disrespect. If you care about content creators, you will respect their processes and let them go about the act of creation in private. So here's where I will crawl foul. I'll object to this kind of characterization. I care about creators very deeply. I pay day one prices for a lot of the games that I purchase because in essence, I want to pay more. I want to encourage the growth of the industry. I want to see more products out there that I love playing, that I love talking with you all about and covering things in virtual legality about this industry that I love so much. I also would love to see more about how they're made. I'd love to see design documents. I'd love to see that early pixel art. I'd love to see how Link to the Past became after uh, Legend of Zelda 2. What happened to get from 2 to 3? What happened to get from 3 to 4? How you made these things happen. And yes, you release some of those things in books, and that is absolutely your right. I'd love to see that encouraged. And no, I don't think that hacking and stealing and putting it up on Reset Era or 4chan is the way to do that. But I do think it is a useful jumping off point to have the conversation with Nintendo or Sony or Microsoft or whomever and say, look, 
we're older now. A lot of the industry, a lot of the fan base of the industry is older now. And I would love to see some of these things out there. They can come up with the best possible experiences that will surprise and delight audiences in private. If they choose to offer behind the scenes glimpses, great. Just don't barge in backstage uninvited. That's fine. But let's use this as a conversation point, not just to say, oh, stealing is wrong, but why is it so popular, Nintendo? Why are so many people talking about it for so long? Why is this actually being reported on everywhere, including here in virtual legality? And the answer is because the video game industry has long looked askance at the behind the scenes access, the look at the creative process that so many other good pieces of media that are widely held up as perfect or wonderful or 10 out of 10 still put out there. I brought up a picture of the Lord of the Rings motion picture trilogy, some of my favorite movies of all time that have some of the best behind the scenes content ever made. And in that behind the scenes content, you can see all manner of foot faults and problems and issues with the production because that's interesting. Because it is interesting to fans of a product to look at something and say, wow, it didn't just come from God in heaven and descend down from the mountaintop as perfect and pristine. This was the work of human beings putting their blood, sweat, and tears into a product that I love. And I'm glad that it exists and want to know more. So yes, stealing is wrong. Yes, this is copyright infringement. Yes, maybe even the Eurogamers of the world might find themselves with a letter from Nintendo saying, pull that article down or at least those links down. But at the end of the day, I would love to see everybody's excitement about finding out about these decades old materials really cause a realization in the video game industry that we want to see everything with the warts, that that will engender goodwill and not cost it. And that maybe, just maybe, that'll help not only guys like me who want to see the behind the scenes materials, but also guys like Accursed Farms that want to put in the work to, pre to preserve these games that we all know and love. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoyed this video, please like, subscribe, share, tell folks that we are talking about these things in this space. Always the business and law of the world around us through the prism of pop culture, most specifically video games and movies, because we love them and we know we love, we know that you know that we love talking about them as well. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.